Hi guys, I'm Ollie Neal and welcome to Staying Connected, part of the Equip Project podcast. Staying Connected is a 12-week series focusing particularly on those having to self-isolate because of the coronavirus pandemic. We realize that being stuck at home can be lonely, and we hope that each short episode will remind Christians of their unity as members of the body of Christ. In each episode, we're going to have a Bible reading, a short thought, a prayer, and a final song. Today's reading is taken from Mark's Gospel and chapter 1, and we're going to start reading at verse 9. And it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water immediately, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Good morning everyone, my name is Jim Crooks. I wonder if you've ever visited Amsterdam. If you have, you may well have seen Rembrandt's huge painting called The Night Watch. It's famous for its use of light and dark and for creating the illusion of movement. And because of its place in the history of Western art, uh, the painting is literally priceless, one of the greatest masterpieces ever created. On the 14th of September 1975, the work was attacked uh, with a bread knife by an unemployed schoolteacher. The vandals' attack resulted in several large zigzagged slashes up to 12 inches long. The teacher claimed that God had told him to attack the night watch. About 15 years later, the painting was attacked again, this time with acid. So just last year, a long and complex restoration process began and required the most detailed digital mapping of each layer of pigment. The restoration actually was live-streamed for anyone interested in its progress. In some ways, the story of the Night Watch is the story of the entire universe. A beautiful masterpiece was created by God, but stupid and wicked men vandalized it, almost ruining themselves and the rest of creation altogether. But God is not just a creator. He is a restorer, a healer. And the story of the Bible is the story of a great restoration. That is the big idea I would like to explore with you for a few moments, the idea of God restoring our broken lives. Our text, uh, which Ollie read to us from the opening of Mark's Gospel, records the moment when the Lord Jesus was led by the Spirit for 40 days into the desolate wilderness of the desert. He lived there for a while, being tested by Satan, living among the wild animals. Well, what are we to make of these verses? One of the curious features of Mark's opening is that he keeps talking about deserts and wildernesses. Particularly in the first chapter, he seems to place a lot of the scenes in what he calls the desolate place. Verse 35 tells us that Jesus rose up early to pray. He went out to a desolate place. And when he heals the leper, Jesus once again, verse 45, had to retreat to desolate places. The picture of a barren, desolate landscape is a vivid metaphor of the human condition. I don't know if you've ever driven through a desert. It's just mile after mile of unending sameness. Maybe a straggly thorn bush clings desperately to life the bleached bones of an animal that has died from thirst, a buzzard circling lazily overhead. How different from where we all started out. The Garden of Eden was a fruitful and beautiful place, bursting with life and vitality. And I think Mark alludes to that with his opening two words of the Gospel, the beginning. 
but how far we have fallen. If you look at human societies today, you don't see a cultivated garden. You see a burning desert. From Syria to New York, we encounter a harsh landscape. Instead of human flourishing, we find unproductive, barren lives. Instead of the beauty of harmonious relationships, we get scarred by the thorns of selfishness and are grasping after power. There isn't a great deal of moral beauty in our cultures. So little mercy and goodness and forbearance and humility. Just look at Twitter. Far too many human beings have been reduced to husks, burned out by their own pride and avarice. We live in a broken world. But here's my point. This is the place where Christ chooses to dwell. The first Adam had ruled over the animals in Eden. He had been created to bring order and harmony to all creation. But sin and Satan react all that. So Christ has come into a disordered world where creation has gone wild. And he chooses to live in a world that has been vandalized by Satan and sin. He lives in the wilderness with us. There's a real comfort in that thought. I wonder if someone could walk through your mental life. What sort of landscape would they encounter? Sometimes the human mind can be a desolate place. Fruitfulness and beauty can be destroyed by our own sin, of course, but sometimes in this fallen world, the human mind can be a desolate place through no fault of our own. Depression can drain all vitality and life out of the human soul. You see, the human mind was designed to be like a bubbling stream, as clear as crystal. But too often in this society, our mental lives could better be described as a desert. Nothing productive ever grows. As Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. There's a well-known Christian song that begins with those words, and I have no idea why we sing it so cheerfully, because the image is grim. A little animal is parched with thirst. Bambi is dying. That sad picture can sometimes describe the life of someone who suffers from mental illness. Their mind has become a desolate place. So we can take comfort from these verses 12 and 13. Christ chooses to dwell in the desolate, disordered place. He willingly chooses to live within a personality that at times can feel like a desert. Nothing grows. Bad-tempered predators prowl through the recesses of the mind. But it is that place, the desolate place, where Christ chooses to dwell. So you can meet him, spend time with him, even in that terrible place. In the preceding verses, we saw the Spirit of God descend from heaven and rest on Jesus Christ. And in that moment, we're seeing a picture of Christ's sinlessness. The dove, the pure Spirit of God, can rest on this sinless man. So we see the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, working together to bring our salvation about. Mark tells us that the heavens were torn open. Uh, He uses a similar term at the end of the book when he describes the veil in the temple being torn open. The words he chooses are extremely energetic. They are revealing something about God's exuberant, undiminished energy. This divine restorer is confronted with an almost impossible set of challenges. The fallen world is a desolate place. Sin and false religion and godless thinking raise up barriers between us and God. Sinful human beings are corrupt and powerless and helpless. But God is the God who never gives up. You see, it would have been so easy for God to have looked down at this world and say to himself, well, that didn't work out. I'll just hit the delete button and move on. The problem is insoluble. This painting is ruined, so I'll just bin it and start a new one. But God is not like that. We see Father, Son and Holy Spirit working with all their divine energy and zeal to bring our salvation about. The Father tears heaven open. 
The Spirit drives Jesus into the desolate place. Nothing will thwart this triune God. This divine restorer is tenacious and resilient. He never grows weary. He never walks away from a half-finished project. At some point today, you might want quietly to bow your head in thanksgiving and worship as you remember that God will never give up on you. The problems in our lives are enormous. Instead of faith and obedience, we all know that there sometimes can be rebellious pride in our hearts. But take heart. God will never give up on you. There will always be consequences for us when we sin. God may well discipline us as any good father would, but he will always hold you fast. He'll never shake his head and walk away, abandoning you like a half-finished novel or a ruined painting. There may have been people in your life who did give up on you. Maybe they just walked away with a sigh of regret. But God will never do that. He is the God who restores that which is broken. So the two points from this little fragment of Mark's Gospel are these. God in Christ chooses to dwell in the desolate place. He lives in this broken world. He walked its grim, unlit streets. And by his Spirit, he chooses to dwell in the desolate landscape of our minds. Just think about that. The pure, gentle Spirit of God chooses to dwell within our broken lives. And then secondly, the triune God has embarked on this great project to restore that which is broken. It's an astonishing thought. Before we pray, I just want to tell you a little bit about staying connected going forward. It's our intention to introduce a number of the younger Bible teachers at Crescent Church into this 12-week Staying Connected series, and we trust that'll be a blessing to all of you guys. Our thoughts this morning also touched on the profound topic of depression, so I wanted to let you know that episode 21 of our main Equip project will deal with depression, um, and that's going to be released on Wednesday. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that the Lord Jesus chooses to dwell in the desolate place. Thank you that he came into our disordered, barren world, a world vandalized by sin and Satan. Thank you that he isn't disconnected from us, that he's willing to dwell in our lives, to stand with us in the desert place. Thank you, Father, that not only does he dwell with us in the desolate place, but he can restore all that is broken. Lord, we praise you that you never give up on us. You long to save us from our sin, from our rebellion, and restore all that is broken. We praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing verse one again. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Greatest treasure. Greatest 